0: What's up, everybody? It is episode twenty-three of Believing Queens. I'm Joe Soralo. That schmuck to my, is this to my left? Or uh,
1: uh, other way. Train? You're close. Okay. You're close.
0: That's Tyler Ward, Wardy Nym, and the guy opening his water. Perfect. <laughs>
1: oh my god. Every episode. You
0: see, if you're wondering what that noise is at the beginning of every episode, but you never saw it before, there it is. Anthony Wrecker with his.
2: Oh, are we on, guys? Are we? Are we on? Are we live? We're, we're oh, on. I right? bet.
0: Too bad you're not eating dinner while we're rolling. I mean, that would have been a great look too. You still got some sausage, Brussels sprout chip. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! Ooh, that was that was some crunch. That was a, when
2: you. How do you make your Brussels sprouts?
0: So I'm just gonna like, I mean, they don't get that crunchy. I, I do. I'm gonna do like a stir fry with like them, like some you know some ground turkey, some spinach, just
2: like. <gasps> and they're dude. soft. You gotta get the you gotta get the crispy outside. Come on, dude, I, I got dude. so much to teach you guys. I talked to you about coffee. I'll teach I'll teach you about food now.
0: Little uh, little kosher right. salt on this.
2: <clears throat> oh, well, I mean I don't know about kosher salt, but I'll use some like pink Himalayan or.
0: Okay, I mean some, yeah, it's, it's the New York. What do they call
2: it? Flor de Sol, I believe I've never heard what the. Of that. No, that's all right. I'll teach you guys.
0: All right, there you go. By the way, I just had my last cup, rest in peace, my last cup of that coffee uh, that you sent. It's on Amazon, baby. Yeah, oh, no, I know. I ordered that. I also spent way too much for my favorite Italian delicacy store back on Long Island. Got in a coffee order from them. Uh, They're shipping it out to L.A. for me. Whole beans? Um, Yeah, whole beans. Guy asked me, he's like, do you want me to grind it for you before we ship it? I said, no, I do whole beans. I grind it myself every morning. No, guy,
2: I do it myself. (laughs) I got, hey, I, got yeah, I
0: got a guy. Hey, I got a guy. I got a guy. I got a guy. The guy's name was <laughs> Sal. I said, Hey
2: Sal, I got a guy. It's good guy to have a guy, too. Cool. Wait, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm losing it.
0: Well, anyway, this show is brought to you guys by Bet Online, right? That was a nice, clean segue. Head over to BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code Believe50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 for your first time, one time, 50% welcome bonus. Get all your bets in. There's a Thursday night football game going on right now. Hope you hammered the under like I did. It's raining Pittsburgh Browns, two bad offenses. That was a no-brainer. You can make the rest of your bets baseball, football, curling if it's the season for it. I don't know when the season for that is. Do it at BetOnline and use the code Believe50. Let the games begin. Wardy. we haven't heard from you yet. I know you're sitting there like these two schmucks are talking about coffee and Brussels sprouts. And you're like, we just clinched a postseason berth. So let's start. We don't, we don't want to
2: hear from Wardy. We don't want to hear from Wardy, Joe,
0: we have a guest. We do. We have a we guest. Know. Should we tell them or should we let it be a surprise when he joins in?
1: No, he's already here. So I think we should surprise. just yeah, yeah, right. we'll, we'll surprise. Go, forward, we'll go backward. I think that's let's the best do it. way we'll to we'll go. We'll get, get to it. the
0: Brewers, guys. Joining the show now. He threw the 19th perfect game in MLB history on Mother's Day in 2010. He's half of the Baseball is Dead podcast with Jerry Carabas. It's Dallas Brayden. Dallas, thanks so much for joining the show.
3: How are we doing, boys? Thanks for having me. We can't forget about my man Joe as well. You got you got it. Baseball yes. doesn't exist. Yes. Joey is also our third wheel on the on the program as well. The yeah, iconic and, and brace, and We Got Jake on the ones and twos. So we're 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 a team, baby. We're a team. I love it. I love it. Is
0: awesome. Joey, is he still running that mascot Coke ring? I mean, what, what, what's going on there?
3: Well, if you watched, if you, if you listen to today's episode and if you watched the simulcast, you can check it out on our YouTube channel. I think I pretty much nailed where that <laughs> mascot cocaine ring started. And uh, all, that's all I'm going to say. Watch and find <laughs> out with the rest of the fans. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh. Didn't see it coming. Now I know.
0: <laughs> i love it dallas thanks so much for joining us man really appreciate you giving us your time um let's start with the upcoming series mets are playing your oakland is this weekend we're running out dogs bassett scherzer degrom never
3: heard I mean, of him. Ex- never heard
2: yeah. of them. have you ever heard of you never heard of chris bassett you don't know who that is not your
3: no no i uh from what i understand though decent arms right decent arms uh yeah l- let's be real it's a daunting task. It's a daunting task. But I'm going to tell you this much. The Seattle Mariners just ran into town, right? They rolled out their top three guns. Yeah. And you want to know how that played out? Let me tell you how that played out. Two out of three later, the seamen, the struggling seamen or tucking tail out of town after getting waxed. Two out of three. They believe that. The swingings ain't playing around in September. I told you we're looking to play the role of Salmonella. You know what Salmonella is. It's a spoiler, right? Stay away from it. Well, that's exactly what we're here to do, is spoil it for you. So, the swing and salmonillas, look out.
0: I love it. Swing and salmonillas. And we've already covered two of our favorite topics on this show semen and tail. So, Dallas God. is coming out firing. <laughs> incredible. Incredible. Rec, I'm going to hand it over to you. You guys were a part of the A's organization together for years. I'm so sorry. Uh, so I'll let I'll let you guys hit it off and resume. <laughs> oh, did you? Did He's you
2: apologizing out? to you, Dallas, not to me. Yeah. He's apologizing <laughs> to you.
0: I'm apologizing to anyone who's got to pay for a can of coke in the locker room. That's who I'm apologizing <laughs> to. But,
2: Just rumors. Rick,
0: I- I'll let you take it there with your former teammate, uh,
2: Dallas. First of all, thank you for coming on here. Second, uh, I got I got to let the people know that despite all this energy and all this this stuff you got going on in this this and just excited just go get him out of tips. you are and 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 i actually told the two of them this before you are one of the most cerebral people i have ever met especially in the game of baseball that sh-
3: okay oh, go ahead go ahead, don't, go ahead. Sh- show the people don't, so, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah don't tell them rick don't don't tell them don't tell them Look, you and I, you and I have had some incredible conversations about the game, yes. and I, I think the the reason I try to pay attention to the game the way I do is because I think it's one of the default things that happens when you're not the best at it at any point in time on your team. You're just you're watching a lot of other guys who are so much better than you, and you're trying to pick up things. You're trying to watch how the greats do it just to figure out maybe I can attach something to what I'm trying to do and be just a little bit better today than I was yesterday. And the idea of being a student of the game, in my opinion, should never leave you. should You should always desire knowledge. And, and that's what the game of baseball provides for me is something that I love, something that I, in my opinion, I know very little about on the levels that I'd like to. I, I want to know more and I want to be able to anticipate things, right? And and that's where, I, I think that's where when you and I sit down and talk or anybody that's willing to talk baseball, my my passion comes in because i just want to
2: learn i love it every conversation i have with this guy my mind is like Ooh, it, it's it's so much fun so i'm really excited to have you on uh, i'm gonna send it back to my guys up here because i want them to i know they got some questions for you they want to fire away yeah i'm gonna let them i'm gonna let them get after
0: Wardy. warty all you baby i know that you've been like dying for this interview for months ever since i announced wreck you were like oh my god maybe he knows dallas we can get him on as a guest yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> b- b- big fan of Dallas. You know, you and Jared, especially I've listened to your pod for a while going from Barstool to now DraftKings. You guys do a phenomenal job. And uh, first of all, I actually woke up sick today, but I was like, you know what? We're getting Dallas. I need to make sure I'm here no matter what. So we're getting this in here right now. And a big question for you, especially as we look into the series. You know, you've done such a great job covering the Oakland A's game after game. What do you think the Mets should expect most heading into the series? Because we've dealt with that word spoiler one too many times already. You know, the Mets went on a 16-game stretch of teams well below 500. Their easiest part of the schedule entering the month of September, they would just edge out just going above 500 during that span when we expected things different. So do you think we're going to see more of the same? Like, what has been your viewpoint of the Oakland A's following them every single game this year?
3: Well, look, I, I dubbed it the era of opportunity in spring training and the understanding there's going to be a lot of young guys who have the opportunity to figure themselves out at the big league level. And, rec, you know that that opportunity is not afforded to a lot of people across the league, let alone a large group of people in the same organization on the same team. So when you kind of stop and remove yourself from the, the, the inside and you kind of zoom out and you have a better understanding of, I guess, what you should expect – as opposed to what you want to see happen. And what I've seen happen is incremental growth. And that's what you would expect given the opportunities these guys have. And I think at times it's been easy to say that you expect them to roll over. Why? Because they're inexperienced and because there's been struggles. But you've seen quite the opposite. Today, Stephen Vogt announces retirement publicly. What was Stephen Vogt doing earlier today? Stephen Vogt was taking ground balls with multiple other young guys out on the field. Stephen Vogt just told you 12 days from now, cleats are on the wall, bud. Hay is in the barn. It's a done deal. Well, that's that day hasn't come yet. Stephen Vogt is still grinding. That's part of the culture that this organization holds very close to its heart. And Stephen Vogt was a part of that then. He's a part of it again now. And it's great to have him here because these young guys I'm talking about are learning that that's how you go about your business. And to have a guy like Elvis Andrews, who is in the building, for over half the season to show these kids how to go about your business, not only at the big league level, but at an elite professional level, that is going to pay dividends that might not show up right now, but come February of next season, come May of next season, come August of next season, I expect to see the effort now start to pay off you
1: know, staying on the same topic of the young kids, I want to know what is your first reaction to Ken Waldachuk, you know, the young Southpaw coming in in that Frankie Montas deal. He's going to be rolling out. I think he's facing Jake in this series for game two. So what has been your viewpoint on him from
3: the first couple starts that you've seen him since he arrived in Oakland? Live heater, likes to, likes to be able to dabble up top. Um, I, I think that's an area where guys, when you get to the big leagues and you had success in 3A, Rolling that heater up top. You got to understand some guys are just not going to offer at it. And if it's not higher than high or where it needs to be, that's going to be three left turns. You're going to be backing up third. So you got to figure out how to live in that space up there from there. He's got a good changeup. He's got a sweeping slider. I like to see that. I think commanding it a little more earlier in the counts for him is going to help the fastball expansion play later in the counts. He's a guy who understands the tools that he has. And he's a dude provided the opportunity again that he has here in Oakland to grow at the big league level, a part of a rotation. And I think they probably see him towards the front of the rotation in the future. I think he just has to continue to, to understand how to game plan realize what he does well at this level, what he's confident in doing well at this level. And he's got a guy in Sean Murphy who as as prepared as it gets. So I don't see any reason why he can't be able to take his game to the next level here, honestly, within the last few starts, and then heading into the off season, just figuring out how to do homework at the big league level, because the tools are there. The heater I like, the changeup I like, the idea of how to go about his business is something that you, you constantly have to pay attention to and get better at. Awesome. Dallas,
0: I love this personally. You know, Rex said it. When you talk, it's just like you're you're leaned in listening. I was a pitcher in college, so I could just listen to you talk pitching for for days. I want to ask you, when you were on the bump, what was your favorite pitch? What was your go to? I mean, was it that changeup? Because that that perfect game you threw, that Rex, changeup was devastating. Was that your favorite pitch, or
3: let him know, Rex? Let him know. Uh,
2: Guys, I didn't even know what a change-up was until I met this man. I mean, I'm talking – he was talking to me about his stride length and where, he, where the thumb goes on the ball and how – dude, I was like – it was like the first day of kindergarten and your teacher tells you like, hey, we're going to learn ABCs. And I'm like, what are those? Like, that's the level. Like he brought me to a place where I didn't know anything about baseball until he spoke about that and I was – I was learning so fast. I mean, it was so much fun to see.
3: Go ahead, go ahead, DB. Tell him. Well, no, yeah. The reason for me, the reason that it was my changeup is because understanding that I wasn't going to be able to overpower or out-horsepower anybody in the strike zone, I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak one by you, right? The Sergio Romo locking up Miguel Cabrera with a heater in the biggest moment ever, because nobody's got that nobody's got that dialed up. That's kind of how I had to operate. But the changeup is the great equalizer, it's the biggest liar it emulates and tells you that it is the one thing you've seen since you were an 8 year old child up until now, but it's not that, it tells you it's a fastball, hi I'm a fastball, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing is what it is and it, it can take a guy's game from trying to figure out how I can survive to not only I can survive, I can thrive here, and it's just knowing that I was not going to be in the business of missing bats at the big league level, I had to understand how to get in the business of just missing barrels and that means showing you this pitch maybe two three times early because i know how to fiddle with it i can vary it right i can make it do different things make it head in a couple different directions so if i have the confidence in that then i know that my fastball is going to look like it's 93 when really it's 83 87 on a good day with a wind behind me so if i can (laughs) put that where i want and then pull the string when i need to and put that on either side of the plate I, i like my odds today
0: I love it. How'd you grip it, by the way? Because right now, I'm, I'm toying around. I just got back into playing after three years of not throwing it. I'm toying around with a splitty because Rec talks about splitties like you know, like they're the next best thing, and so that's what I've been toying around with. Were you a circle guy? How, how'd you grip it?
3: Well, uh, originally, I threw a screwball. So, screwball, circle chain, or like the circle, but it's a, it's a variation of the circle change, four-seam grip, two-seam grip, and it all depends on what I'm throwing the change up off of. If I just... If i just showed you a four-seamer in, maybe an inch or two off, and you've taken it, well, I'm probably going to follow up with a four-seam changeup. Why? Because it's the wolf in sheep clothing. I just told you it was a fastball, but it's not. It's going to hit a sheet, and it's never going to get there. You're going to swing and miss and go back and tell me, throw a fastball, you fucking pussy. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> wow. But that's how that goes. Now, if I painted you away, painted you away with a little bit of arm side run, and I see you battling me out there, and I see you leaning out over there, I could try to run a heater in. Or I could just keep you soft out there and go two-seam change-up. And depending on the result, whether it's a swing or a take, that's going to tell me whether I need to go back inside, whether I need to elevate, or if I stay out there and get you rolling over.
0: Um, I'm trying to get one grip, down. You have like three different change-ups. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I told
1: and, you guys. <laughs> and and speaking of guys that have multiple grips, you know, going back to Seabass for a second with not only him but Mark Canna as well now in their first years as New York Mets. One, in your in your personal, you know, impression, what have you seen so far with the New York Mets Dallas? Like, have you been happy to see Bassett and Canna thriving the way that they have? Because Mark Canna is a guy that I was a big fan of when the Mets originally acquired. Yes, I knew he was a low average guy, but he's one of the best on base canes of baseball. Along with his teammate and Brandon Nimmo, and Canna, you could rightfully argue, is having the best season of his career right now. He's getting more pop in his swing. Unfortunately, now he has the Mets team record for hit by pitches with 23 or 24.
3: Because again, the unfortunately, Mets, lead- no, 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 no. you're welcome, you're welcome. <laughs> don't, don't, unfortunately, me, you're welcome. Because Mark Canna did that in Oakland last year, sewed on the most baseballs anybody ever has as an Oakland A, and then he took it to the Big yes. Apple. Oh, in I knew, favorite yeah, favorite kid. Buck wanted the ball. Buck kept the ball. What are (laughs) we talking about? (laughs) Hey, we got ice. Can I? Like, like, first of all, love me some Mark Canna. Absolutely love me some Mark Canna. And I mean, the love and affection I have for Seabass, we don't have enough time. Both those dudes are, they want to win. They want to compete. They are fiery. They're good teammates. I mean, I, I knew how lucky the Mets were to get both of those guys. And Mark Canna, the reason maybe you didn't see the pop early is because Mark Canna spent him spent his time developing himself at the big league level into a leadoff hitter. Like, hey, Mark, we're going to need you to go up there and see some pitches, all right? You're popping 20, but is there any chance you can do No problem, Skip. I'll sew it on. And he did. And so then he finds himself in New York where he doesn't have to do that. The responsibility is not the same. He gets to kind of tuck in and maybe dip back into that power stroke. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that might take a little while. And, rec, you can speak to the adjustments that that are necessary to make when you start to shift approaches. But now he's back where he can just get to banging and do a little do a little of both. And and you see the fruits of the labor now, right? You see what he can do, and you saw it in Oakland, surrounded by guys that can get the job done. Now he's in New York, same thing, and you are getting the same Marcana. Yeah, one I, I thing appreciate I was, Dallas trying to God. give me
2: some credit there and saying that I can speak to adjustments in the big leagues, but <laughs> if you look at my stats, you know that that's not true. I didn't make any adjustments. The adjustments never came, and I just floundered and I'm I, you know, doing TV now. so
1: Mark Canna, the crazy thing that I've noticed right from the jump, I mean, even when we were in spring training, he was so analytically involved on just working on his launch angle, just one of numerous things, and one thing that the Mets struggled with mightily last year with their lack of hand approach was getting too analytically involved. That's why Jeff McNeil in part aside from his injury had a down year. The large portion of the Mets offense had a down year because they had a different front office and coaching staff that was just deep diving the numbers too, been and making players get away from what got them in the bigs to begin with and have their success. Now this year it's been a completely different type mentality where the guys are going with the flow while taking information But Mark is still that guy that's so anal about these numbers every single time, every single time he goes out there. So it's been very interesting to see the success that he's had while, again, he's so in tune with the numbers game versus, you say, have a guy like Jeff McNeil who's hitting 300-plus again this year, and he's the complete opposite in the sense of trying to nitpick every little thing uh, every time he goes up there for his at-bats.
3: Yeah, Jeff McNeil's going to get 600 at-bats, and he might see 500 pitches. Um, Mark Canna... Like it, 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 it's all about understanding what you do well and finding happy mediums between rec, the adjustments we're trying to make and what is working for you at the moment. That's how you survive in this game is constantly evolving, understanding that you're going to hit a sweet spot. That's going to be great. The book's going to adjust to you. Are you prepared to make the adjustment? Are you already preparing to make the adjustment or put yourself in a, in an even better position, which I know is crazy to think about but that's what you do as an athlete is you're constantly tinkering figuring out a way to get better so for canna to be able to marry the information and the feel he, he's always had that ability and he's a guy who when you have benchmarks for yourself and checkpoints for yourself you want to make sure you're hitting those because those are things that tell you that you're on the right path you know it's sort of like inducing deja vu that's what deja vu is it's reminding you that hey you've been here before you're supposed to be here so when that happens, it's like, hey, no, uh, that's right. This is what I do.
0: I love it. Rick, I've got one last question before we let Dallas yeah, go, but I want to hand thing. it over to you first. You know, I feel like you've barely talked. This is the most quiet I've ever heard you. I'm,
2: this is – I love to listen to this guy. This is all I love to do is listen to him talk baseball. Uh, the only question I, I had coming into this was uh, – honestly, it was about Mark Kotze. And it's only because Mark is a guy I was – became a part of the Oakland A's organization, or at least I remember seeing him walk around there when I was still there. Um, like, you know, he played there, obviously, and then he was, walk- what's this season been like for him and what kind of adjustments has he made as the season goes on? Because uh, a season like this for a manager, a first-time
3: manager, it's got to be, you know, it can't be easy. No, it's not easy. But, Rick, I can tell you, look, as, you know, Kotz and I played together, so I understood what sort of fiery passion this dude shows up to the ballpark with. Like, it's it's a no excuses, get to work. And if you've gotten the work in, for better or worse, the chips are going to fall where we'd like them to. And he was, there was no better fit to, to start this um, retooling era, if you will, in Oakland, than Mark Kotze, because he's going to hold you accountable. He understands where we're at, right? He understands that we might be on our 20 as opposed to in the red zone and that there's certain things that you except there's certain things that you expect in that situation. And he's an individual who commands respect in the room. And we understand the difference between command and demand, right? You walk in and somebody like, Hey, excuse me, but this person's in this room now. And my attention's over here. Now that's who Kotz is. And he's made the adjustments, right? You know, you want to win, you want to win each and every day. You know, that's not feasible in the game of baseball. And so being able to temper your expectations is something that I think is is something you have to learn. It's a tough lesson to learn, but that's something he's done a great job of. And the communication is as solid as it's ever been. You come from a place where you've got Bob Melvin letting guys know how things are going to go. That just, that's been as seamless as, as ever. So, so Mark Kotze has done, in my opinion, an incredible job with this group and an incredible job considering all of the other outside noise going around uh, you know, w- with the ballpark and things of that nature. There's a lot of lot of birds chirping on a lot of different branches, and he's done a great job of just kind of focusing on the ones in his nest.
0: Well, look, Dallas, before we let you go, I actually do want to change uh, the topic a little bit. What's- I know that you and Rec were with the A's at the same time, uh, you know, spent a couple spring trainings together in what <clears throat> down in Arizona, and this is kind of a two-parter. The first part of it is how is Rex's game as a wingman? That's the first part of it. I got to know back in Zona, you guys are, you know, obviously, come on, it's spring training, right? Like, we all know what goes on that month. I got to know how Rex's game as a wingman was. And then the other thing I want to ask you uh, is kind of a follow-up to a question I asked Jared when he came on my show two years ago. Uh, we were talking about best cities to party in in the league, and we both mentioned that Cleveland is a very underrated city. I've had a lot of good nights in Cleveland. Uh, but I want to know your favorite city to party in, in the league. So how's Rex wingman game? And what's your favorite city to party? In?
3: Well, when you think about Wingman, you got to think about bait, right? Fly trap. How do we? How do we get him over here? Well, it's great. I mean, look at the guy—fucking jawline, like somebody threw the son of a bitch for a comic. I, I've been telling this since I saw him. What do you eat? Dumbbells for breakfast? Jesus Christ! So, in, in terms of getting somebody's attention and getting that light up there. Wreckers is beautiful and then what do you want right you want someone else to make you look better so that's when you just let rec talk you're like yeah please by all means start the conversation please absolutely because at best Rex like a five and dive right on a good day and i'll be the bullpen i could cover 12 outs but no problem i can cover 12 outs so that's i mean that's wreck, that's Rex wingman skill in a nutshell you need him you love him you gotta have him and he's always going to bat for you whether he knows it or not so your- <laughs> just,
2: Thank you, thank baby. You thank guy. you.
0: I, I, I need to know how to utilize him when he comes out to LA. So I'm, I'm really picking your brain here oh, for a very self-serving it. reason.
3: That's your show pony, baby. That's your show pony. Brought <laughs> him out, break up the main and let him go. Amazing.
0: Amazing. And then favorite city when you were playing in the league, favorite place to party. I,
3: I had, uh, I had a lot of fun in Cleveland. I, I had a lot of fun in Cleveland. Cleveland's a great city. Uh, Texas, Texas was very, very good to me. Uh, You got to understand after my one good day of work uh, back in 2010, the next spot we ended up was in Texas. And uh, to say that I was treated with presidential treatment would be an understatement because I literally had the presidential suites in both cities for the road trip. And uh, yeah, that's a good life, man. That's a really good life. (laughs)
0: Not bad. Not bad. Hey, your life's still pretty good, man. Congrats on everything post-playing that you've accomplished. Everything with Jared, everything on your own, man. Uh, It's been a lot of fun to follow along, and uh, you, you definitely keep us all entertained.
3: No, hey, thank you, and congratulations to you guys as well, man. You guys absolutely slay it. I love the passion for the game. We're all here to grow this game, man. You guys do a phenomenal job of that. And Rick, to you as well, my man, you're absolutely fucking slaying it on the network. You continue to kill it on the pod, dude. I'm very proud of you, very happy for all of you, man.
1: Thanks so much, Dallas. Appreciate it. Thanks,
3: you. DB. You, bu- Go away. Fuck the Mets. Later. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas, Braden, thanks so much for joining the show.
0: That was great. Rec. So you're the show pony. Love it. I've uh, never, apparently. Wow. I've never seen you blush like that. I was blushing for you for a little bit.
2: I, well, I'll be honest with you. Um, That man, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth at all, <laughs> ever. Um, he's literally one of the biggest conundrums. I think you'll ever find in the game of baseball because that energy and that spark and that love that he has, I think for a long time when I first met him, I didn't realize how authentic it was to who he is. And then the cerebral nature with which he goes about his business mixed with that personality, like you don't expect those two to intertwine and it's fantastic. Like, I mean, I, you feel like he reads a book of just hilarious one-liners and then just knows exactly when to drop them every time. It's, it's, there's great. no thinking.
1: I, I it. It, it's it just, it rolls off the tongue with Dallas. I love that. That
0: dude is like Bill Burr meets Tom house. And somehow you just put them into one person, like the baseball side of things and the comedy side. It's, yep. you know, it's why, it's why he's, so great at everything he does right now in his post-playing career. It's-
2: I'll tell you what, and he didn't. I, I didn't say this while he was on here. I, I kind of wanted to, but I, I wanted to let him go too. Um, one thing about that, he is like one of the nicest, kindest, best human beings in the world too. And it's something that people don't really know. Like I can remember when I first started dating my wife, we were obviously dating at the time. We go to a restaurant in Arizona and um, it's Scottsdale, you know, during spring training. And he's out with Brian Wilson at the time. Shocker, the two of them boys. And uh, they're literally just like at a table over there. And, I, you know, I didn't even realize they were there, I don't think. Um, but sure enough, end of the night, we go to pay paid for. And I'm like, what? They picked up the tab. They saw us there. They saw we were, you know, I don't. they picked up the tab. I thanked him later. But they, Rick, don't worry about it, man. Love it. Glad you That's could awesome. have a good time with the, with the lady and That's you know, right. like just a, he's just a good good dude and he's not kidding about like when we talk like it is fun like we have these great conversations over the phone. Um, we had a nice little bet. He's a Cowboys fan. They played the Niners last year in the playoffs and mm-hmm. lost. He 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 bought me a uh, a set of one hundred pound dumbbells from that game because I, I made a little little wager with him. So because of course, because um, what else? <laughs> He, what would but, you have had to you know, buy
0: him? That, that's what I want to know. If, if he a what
2: well, uh, I I don't want to get this wrong. I know it was a one hundred percent grass fed, um, brisket from was it brisket? I don't remember. It was a wagyu wagyu brisket from mm. Australia.
1: Mm.
2: I would have had to ship it here to his house.
1: A five, um, yeah,
2: like it was like a like a big like fifteen pound like you know what I mean like just something ridiculous and uh, yeah. That's, tells I me mean, everything
0: you need to know about you guys. Rex like, give me the yeah. dumbbells. Dallas is like wagyu, breastfed, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. organic. <laughs> yeah.
2: He knows. He knows. He knows how to. He knows how to treat. Treat his body. He knows what he's doing. He, he also is a beekeeper, by the way. Got some bees. <laughs> like some honey. You keep them
0: right here. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: I mean, how, how beautiful is that thing? my goodness that's
0: ridiculous no wonder him and brian wilson were friends i was gonna say what were they doing at the table at the restaurant just like combing each other's beard
1: (laughs) (laughs) one one last thing i want to um say about dallas which i love is you know he's been a factor for me as a fan following the oakland a's more now it hasn't happened to the same extent this year because again they're in this retool slash rebuild but he's like the one man show keeping this team relevant from a lot of ways in the media presence. And that's always been great to yeah. see the impact that he's had on the organization post playing, especially, I mean, I, I ride with Dallas, you know, especially when the Oakland A's get back and they get better again, I'm a hundred percent certain going to be following them more. And he's going to be a big factor as to why. So, and again, I, know, I, say, I say this as the A's are inevitably going to sweep the Mets in this three game set. But, but aside Could from you that,
0: imagine <laughs> if we run out, Bassett, I, Scherzer, sure. Jay.
1: I mean, did I did I imagine that the Mets would get swept against the Cubs? Anything can happen. We we know that by now, you know. I'll tell you what, you guys,
2: you, you asked about um, one pitcher, but J.P. Sears came over in that Montas deal. Yeah, I want Yankees. to mention
1: him too, but I just and I, he's I, been fantastic. First, he has yeah. been
2: fantastic. This is not. Mean,
1: They already have two of the prospects that they acquired in that trade that are in their rotation. Frankie Montas has been anything but good for the Yanks. Now he's on the IL. Um, I mean, man, oh, man, you would think the Yanks would learn by now just to not trade for an Oakland A's pitcher. I mean, Sonny Gray, there you go. And now you got, unfortunately, Frankie. It's like a 2.0 situation going on there. Did
2: they trade for Sonny? I don't even remember that because I was probably playing still. They traded for Sonny?
1: I want to say they did. Either they traded or they signed. That's they, you know, like, wait, they definitely traded because Sonny did not just go there and sign. There's no chance. He, they definitely traded for him. They're that's comp- gotta probably be the
0: worst. I mean, Rec, you could speak to us to, to this. I mean, going from Oakland to Yankee Stadium, that's got to be the hardest adjustment in the world for a pitcher. Oh,
2: I mean, like mentally, what the, the, you- the lack of attention you get as an Oakland athletic, and then the <laughs> Lack of privacy you get right? as a New York Yankee. And I mean that in the best way. Like, I, I mean, I loved my media experience in New York. I really did. I enjoyed like a lot of the guys in the media. I, it, was, it was no problem for me. But I saw what happened to some guys who, you know, had a down year and, and really struggled and, and kind of got beat up. And I don't know what Tyler's doing right now, but I can't. Oh, I can't my, my, don't
1: it. mind me. My camera goes out of focus, so I have to do. I have to put my hat towards the camera, and then I back up I slowly, and schmuck. it eventually comes. I'm a schmuck. Yeah, don't mind me. Keep talking. I, you totally lost me. You got me off my train of thought, we but talk,
2: it's okay. It's talking, you're talking about, about the, um, lack of attention the media. The, but yeah, but not, no, it's I, not even
0: the media factor. What about just the ballpark itself, though? As a pitcher, I mean, when you go from mm, pitching in a place where mm, it's like you know, home runs go to die, and then Yankee Stadium. I mean, balls that would be shy of the warning track at Oakland are, are out there.
2: At the Coliseum, I'm telling you, I like, there were some balls I hit there at night, and I'm like, oh, got it. Not even warning track. And I'm, what is going on? It's terrible. You know, people talk about the foul territory and how that hurts your average. Like, whatever. That hurts a little bit. But the ball goes nowhere there at night. It gets thick. It gets cold. Ball doesn't travel at all. Day games are great.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Day games, ball flies. You'll see some balls hit, like, the – the top of you know, like upper deck in Mount Davis, or at least the the suites up there and everything. I think Murphy just did it earlier this year. Um, that place is really tough place to play though. Uh going back there in 14, I think it was 14 as a Met was weird. Like going back to a place like that where you first came up, and that was my team as a kid, like going back there to play was such an odd, odd thing. Um I think we I don't remember if we won or lost that game. I think we lost that game. Very very disappointing. But anyway. Um, it's, it's a, it's a tough place to play. And then yet yeah, going to Yankee stadium where, I mean, pop up to right, Palmer, like, yeah, terrible. Like how, how, having a pitch on that mound. I I don't know why anyone outside of Garrett Cole, who got a $300 million would sign to play for the game to pitch for the Yankees, because I feel like your career is not going to take a positive turn.
0: Yeah. It took a toll on Sonny and then he went to Cincinnati, which is another terrible place to pitch. And he actually got it together. And it's
2: well there. yeah, Amazing. yeah that, that he was, he's having a pretty decent year this year for Minnesota. I know he got off to a great start you know had some bumps in the road, but he's been cool. very good for them.
1: Well, you know and a- actually a factor for Gray and that entire pitching staff was when Bauer went there, you know because he was able to dabble. he had the rest of the rotation dabble with the sticky stuff. They were like they were all involved in part of it to varying degrees. so that that was one thing that helped Gray with his success when he was in cincy for sure.
0: Yeah, I know the two of them became close, definitely, obviously, yeah. before all the stuff happened there. Yeah. Um, but that was a, they did a great interview with uh, with CeCe on the uh, the R2C2 show. They did that in, like, yeah. February 2020, right before the world shut down. Um, I was just watching that a few weeks ago, ironically. That was, like, such – you know, you talk about just listening to guys and listening to them talk pitching and being like, whoa, Bauer and Sonny Gray together, incredible. Sonny Gray was also in musicals in high school. That, that's another great thing that I learned by watching that interview. You know, the first time I
2: caught Sonny Gray, he was – just freshly drafted right gets down to i think it might have been the next year was the next year in spring training so he gets i I don't think he played it all that first year because he was a a high round pick um gets to spring training he's throwing like a bullpen to me and he starts throwing and he keeps giving me fastball and i'm getting sinkers i'm getting cutters i'm getting four seams so i'm like i didn't say anything we're done and i go out there i say Hey man, you uh, got good stuff, but um, like, do you know when it's going to move? And he's like, nah, I just throw it. <laughs> what? Like, and I mean, balls were going all over the place. And I'm like, dude, you can't, you can't do that. Like that's not going to fly. But you talked about it, how cerebral he is now. That's who he was. And this is who he is now. And that's what Dallas is talking about, making those adjustments. Like you get to the big leagues or you get in professional baseball in general, you realize how much more work you got to put in to get better every day and to pass the people around you, you know, and, and to get to the big, get to the bigs and then stay there and then become a big, you know, like a, a established big leaguer. It's, it's crazy. And you can tell it's, it's so much fun seeing guys go through the journey and seeing where they end up on the other side as opposed to where they began.
0: And it's funny too, because he went to, I mean, he went to a great college, right? Isn't Sunny Gray, he's a Vanderbilt boy, right? So, mm-hmm. like, you go to Vandy, which is, like, you know, top-notch college program, and even at a great school like that with great competition playing SEC baseball, he was still probably just letting it fly and blowing it by guys. Letting like, it eat, baby. Yeah. I mean, even at a great program like that. College you know, just is just a
2: just little different running. now. Like, they've got the technology. They're working on some of those things. but Especially it's, Vandy. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's an advanced so, school. Look, we, we got the A's coming up, boys. And, uh, you know, we, we went through Bassett, DeGrom, Max. Like, I don't I don't think there's much more to be said about that series. Like I'd honestly be disappointed if it's not a sweep. I know that that's lofty expectations and rec, you know, you, you were right about the 16 game stretch when you said 10 and six versus me and Tyler getting a little too high going 12 and four. Yeah. Um, God forbid. (laughs) Just because of the three guys were running out there, mind you, we had Bassett, Jake and Peterson against the Cubs and got swept. So anything can happen. Uh, But I mean, I'm expecting these guys to really dial it up this weekend, especially hopefully Atlanta loses once or twice to Philly could be a big help as the uh, season winds down, but let's, let's celebrate a little bit. The Mets just clinched their first playoff spot in six years, 10th playoff spot in the 60 year history of the franchise. I mean, the job's not done. And so we're kind of in a position where it's like, you know, yay, but also we're essentially tied for first place right now with the Atlanta Braves. So Rex, starting with you and then Tyler, uh, you can hop in after that. When it came to the celebration, like what was your mindset there? Did you, take a minute and enjoy that, you know, they just, they clinched the playoff spot. We all knew it was going to happen, but that they made it official. Or are you just like jobs, not done division or boss?
2: No, that's exactly how it is. Job's not done. Even in 15, when we won the division, um, like you take the time to celebrate it, but that's what that night is for. And then the next day it's, you're over it. You're on to the next thing. Um, you know, and that's how you have to really make your mindset in, in the game of baseball. When you're playing 162 games and it's, day after day after day and you're going to have good nights you're going to have bad nights you're going to you know be on teams where you lose 100 you're going to might be on teams where you win 100 and one way or another uh, in the end you have to be that guy that takes that game for what it's worth whatever happens you can do whatever you want with it that night but by the next day you got to be back in the mindset of showing up to the baseball field ready to work ready to do what i got to do to get better today and it's the same thing with with winning i mean you win, you win the division, or you or you guarantee yourself a, a spot in the playoffs. Great. Well, I mean, the Mets still want to win the division, and the ultimate goal for them is to win the World Series. So, yeah, it's it's certainly more along the line mindset, um, and it was for me back in fifteen. Of okay, great. Now what? And that's just how you gotta. I mean, that's how I think all athletes approach these things.
0: Wardy, what about you? As a fan, how much did you enjoy? Clinching the playoffs versus you know how much more you will enjoy if they clinch the division.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely savored it for that night, just like the team. You know, I did a live post game show, and I think that was the night I actually had you on. We had a lot of fun. I poured myself a celebratory in... shot. Yeah, yeah, you did a celebratory shot. I had a glass of whiskey, and that was it though. Pete Alonzo was you know pounding drinks left and right as he a should. Whiskey. The- what was the? Um, it was peach crown because I really like peach whiskey, so that's what I was having. You're, yeah, you're it was- never peach had peach crown. whiskey before. It's at, I, I like it, but again, I'm 21. I have 22 rather. So again, the taste buds will change. I jokingly said, exactly. A little <laughs> From peach. From the peach whiskey, got me all thrown off. I jokingly say, you know, I don't like IPAs now, but when I'm 40, I will. You know, my parents love IPAs. I, I'm just not into them yet. Um, But going back to what I was saying is, yeah, I mean, I definitely enjoyed that moment. It was great because again, especially as a younger fan, I've only seen, while following the Mets on a day-to-day basis, I've only seen them in the playoffs twice. So, like, this is a big deal for me, and I know it is for the team, because while they have a lot of vets on the club, they have a lot of newcomers that have no playoff experience leading the way as Alonzo. McNeil and plenty of others on this roster so yeah they definitely enjoyed their night it was great to see steve cohen there he said he was in nosebleeds in milwaukee trying to convert brewers fans into mets fans which i thought was hilarious while he was there um but yeah you can, can we have tell a that, picture
2: to confirm that he was in nosebleeds because he was he, was, felt, he, was, yeah, he
1: was, was probably bullshitting but we're no, gonna the, go the, with the the is
0: their sweet levels at the 300s there as opposed to the mm-hmm. 200s at cities.
1: Mm-hmm. So okay you need
0: to take mm-hmm. out the binocular <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. gotcha that's probably yeah. more along the lines of it Yeah, Yeah. that's okay. We're gonna go with the narrative though. He was sitting all the way instead
0: of filet mignon. It was very disappointing.
1: (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, it it was it was nice to see the guys celebrate. They deserve this, and I think it would have been wrong if they didn't celebrate at all, at least for the night. Because again, the division isn't guaranteed. I know that's what their main focus is right now, but that isn't guaranteed. That's more than likely going to going to come down to that series in Atlanta, as we all know. So enjoy that night, and they did. I think the best part was. After having a sluggish first couple innings in game two, they really got things going again and rode that momentum once more. You know, we saw in game one, Max Scherzer off the IL. He pitched six perfect innings, which was absolutely insane. Unfortunately, he was on a pitch count, but it's great to see how dominant he was from the jump. Just like how you guys alluded to how dominant he was when he came off the il before against the reds and cincy um but not only that alonzo back-to-back games with three run home runs he's finding his swing shout out to you joe because you called it out he said you said pete's the guy to watch in that series and lindor with the grand salami in game two after alonzo made it that one run ball game thanks to his second bomb of the series plenty of positives uh, from that series it sucks that they couldn't win in game three but Brandon nimmo gain hurt Thankfully, he's only day-to-day, so it's nothing serious with his injury because uh, we saw him. It, it's kind of funny. Um, Rack, you've seen before. I actually want to know, like, one, was Nimmo a runner a lot when you were experiencing playing time with him? Because I know earlier in his career, it seemed like on the base pass he was a little bit, but then the injuries occurred. So he went five months this year without stealing a bag, and then you see he has three stolen bases over the past you know, couple weeks, not even a month, and that leads to his injury that thankfully – wasn't severe that's day to day right now. McNeil got banged up really bad in that game three and the loss too. But yeah, I'm just curious. How was Nimo as a runner early on when you experienced playing time with him?
0: uh Look, this
2: kid has always actually been able to fly. He is an ex- he's extremely fast. um He's never been a great base dealer though, even yeah. in the minor leagues when I played with him in AAA. So uh, it's just one of those things where. I think he had enough other things to kind of focus on to try to get to the big leagues, to stay in the big leagues, to become an everyday big league center fielder that that was a part of his game that he didn't quite get to focus on. And that's okay. Uh, It looks like the Mets in some form or fashion were seeing if they could get that going. Um, Obviously, you know, with the quad thing, I don't know that that is the best way to do it. We'll see what happens though. I mean, I, I'm, I'd never put anything past Brandon Nimmo, and I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him come back. And, you know, look, it seems like this isn't, you know, nothing serious. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him come back and, and potentially start stealing some bases again anyway, and, and maybe have that be a little bit of a weapon in the in the playoffs.
1: What about you, Joe? What What was your biggest takeaway from the series win? Obviously, they dropped game three, but, I mean, it was good to see them get the series. You know, they won six straight games after getting swept against the Cubs. Plenty of positives takeaway, even though it wasn't, say, the perfect series that one could ask for.
0: Yeah, I've got one big takeaway that wasn't the most positive, and I don't want to live there yet. It's a question I'll pose to you guys later on before we wrap things up, probably after this. But biggest takeaway was just the bats. It was Pete. It was Frankie. It was clutch hitting. It was the perfect time for this series, in my opinion. You know, Rec, you were talking about how the ball just flies in that ballpark. And, uh, you know, playoffs right around the corner. Braves right around the corner. This was the perfect time to just go somewhere where the ball flies. Get your confidence up a bit, uh, especially because they're going somewhere the ball dies uh, tomorrow or today as this episode's released. But uh, it's, it's Pete, his stroke. You know, Tyler, we talked about this on your live stream after game one. Yeah. That pitch. That was it. Damn good pitch by Corbin Burns.
1: Corbin Burns sinker down in and Pete just went and got it. Like that thing had run,
0: that thing had dip and Pete just, and and the reason that it was such a beautiful, I think the the word I used the other night was sexy swing from Pete is because it was like, he wasn't trying to do too much. He was, he's just, he was just trying to put a bat on the ball. And I mean, I don't know if he was trying to fight it off or, you know, that's really not a zone I've ever seen Pete do a whole lot with pitches down and in. And he just turned on it and opened up a little bit. And just jack that shit. And it was like seeing that. It's like he's back. I mean, we've seen this guy on pitches down there. Like I've seen hanging breaking balls down the middle that his timing is off when he's slumping. And it's like, dude, you can hit that ball 500 feet. Why are you, you know, popping out to the first baseman in foul territory? And so for him to take a damn good pitch from a damn good pitcher and just turn on that and, and destroy that thing, that that was that was the best thing I saw in those three games.
1: And then you saw in Game Two that home run was insane because it was a dead center like liner. It didn't get much air at all. It just went all the way back like a snap yeah, of a finger. I might have finger. missed that.
0: I might have been making my bed on the floor. Yeah, you
1: yeah, know, he, he had like a beautiful that. home run, and then not long after, you see in the game. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> uh, <and then laughs> <when> he, <laughs> it took me a minute to process what you said, <laughs> and then and then Taylor Rogers comes in the game, and he essentially walks the bases loaded. For Francisco Lindor, who first pit swings says, "How you doing?" Out of here, 99 RBIs for Francisco. Him and Pete have the most RBIs among any duo in baseball right now, with 220. I believe they're 10 ahead, or close to 10 uh, ahead of Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado this year. So, uh, and unfortunately, we saw the hit-by-pitch record go to the Mets in Game Three with 100 Marcana, who doesn't even start the game, he comes in after Nimmo exits to the first day. He's just a ball magnet. First two at bats he has, he gets drilled, and they. He got hit pretty hard both times, too. I mean, they weren't really all that close. I felt terrible. He gets the team record. Then the Mets get the overall record after they tied it with Elise Gurman hit hit by pitch. Then Buck asked for the ball, um, as he should. I mean, it's crazy because we noticed this when the year began that there's a hit by pitch problem. Buck was calling it out. We all knew this. And, you know, everyone's thinking, oh, you know, this will die down at some point. Please enlighten me when that's going to die down. And I always mention this wreck, and I want to know um, if you have any thoughts about it uh, for me. I always thought it was a joke by the league last year to do the sticky substance ban mid year because their excuse was, Oh, we're going to do this till us and hit by pitches. But if you look at it, the numbers have been worse since that has transpired and you see the Mets now having the the craziest record in all MLB. So do you have do you have any takeaways on that? Like it's it really is bizarre to me how many times guys are getting hit. But I do not think sticky substance has a factor. I think if anything, the lack of sticky substance may have a factor.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh when they big league baseballs are incredibly slick, especially yeah. if it's dry, if it's cold, if you're you know, if you're in Arizona. I've gotten a blister
1: um, just from thro- throwing like a brand new one without uh, any. On. Yeah.
2: They they are incredibly slick. So when you don't aren't allowed. Like you heard hitters. Some hitters say like, I'd rather these guys have something on them. I would rather them use something. And it's been a problem for me with the league that I, I know they have whatever they're allowed to get. I, I don't know what they're allowed to do this year. I, I think they tried to come up with something. I don't know if they ever ended up coming up with any kind of a substance they were allowed to use, but they, they, they need they use to a specific
1: mud on the balls. I know that they get yeah, from that, the well, river.
2: that doesn't do anything. Yeah. um because these umpires are the ones that put the balls up and some of them don't give a crap so that's funny but um to me look there's there's the balls over in japan that are pre-tacked there's balls you know there's other things that you can put on the balls I, i'm all for allowing some kind of a universal substance or a universal you know ball that has a tack to it already because what you throw up there it's i mean when I got there, throwing to the second became a like, okay, I have to learn how to throw a sec- to second base again because it was not the same. Um, wow. And I could tell you from a, a pitching standpoint, there were a lot of guys at the time, I know they use the same balls now in AAA and I believe AA as well uh, that they use in the big leagues. Now they do. Then they did not. And it was such a huge adjustment going from that minor league baseball to the big league ball. That's how like just slick and just awful. I mean, I, I shouldn't say awful. It's a great baseball, obviously, but like to throw it without anything on it is not fun. (laughs) You have no idea where that thing's going.
0: Yeah. I've thrown because, you know, I've been to, I I always got to city early when I was younger. So like, you know, going to games and just shagging balls and batting practice, I would, you know, then I would use them to throw with. And uh, I've thrown bullpen sessions where I take both an NCAA ball back when I was in school and an MLB ball. And it's like NCAA sliders, like MLB ball. It's like, like it's like why the hell is this thing not breaking and why is it like slipping out and you know like going like eight feet high in the right handers batter's box like it's it really one hard.
2: has laces that literally are as high as my finger and the other one doesn't have any laces at all it's like a he string heads, around the ball
0: college baseball the laces are just the seems ridiculous yes. it's
1: insane uh, i'm sorry one last no, thing no, no. i want to share on this topic because i've Again, I've had I've been engulfed in the drama going on with the baseballs really since I started making baseball content because it you're drives me in nuts. One hundred percent, exactly, Joe. But it's funny because talking about the co-host with Dallas, not Jared, but Joey for baseball doesn't exist, came out with a great video just over the past like two months, I believe, on how the MLB and their pitchers are cheating again. And it's a hundred percent true. He went down to break down how. They're not doing the sticky sticky substance checks nearly to the same degree. And if they are, they're not doing anything because you see guys this year. I mean, Karen checks a great example that we've seen with his hair. I mean, you see so many guys, you know, right under their butt are wiping constantly after every single pitch or their hair. They're doing all these different little things. Garrett Cole, of course, is doing it with his hair or, of course, right below his butt. Many other pitchers are, and they're not getting caught for it anymore. They're using something. But the reason why the MLB is not cracking down on it, because offensive numbers are still skyrocketing this year versus what they were last year. I mean, last year entering pre-sticky substance ban, they were having the worst offensive numbers in MLB in decades, which was, again, their excuse to change things up, probably switch to baseballs and doing so, juicing them up, whatever they were doing. But the whole point is that you know when there's a lack of offense in the game of baseball, they're losing money. That's the nature of the game. So that was just very interesting to see how, again, the crackdown isn't nearly as severe this year when guys are using stuff again, but it doesn't matter because it hasn't impacted the upswing in offensive production.
2: Just something to keep in mind. Just something to keep in mind. Yeah. I'm not saying people aren't cheating or are cheating. Yeah. But the one way to get a little bit attack on your hands, rosin and sweat. Yep. Sweat. I don't know about you, but you know, you get a little, a little bit of something ass. down there sometimes. You gotta you gotta get a little get a little something on your hand and then you oh, use oh, the rosin oh. and you'll little tack. Yeah, know, I mean, so, When, when you, know, you have
1: like full-on black streaks under your like right ass cheek, I'm gonna go on a lemon and say well, there's something. You know, now. your hands get dirty, you know. Yeah. Right? Dirt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: You know, it's yeah. funny, I was gonna ask Tyler, <laughs> like was it necessary blood. when you when you said but for you to actually, you know, reenact it and go yeah, back there. But, but then Rex did it too. So I guess yeah. now we're all just, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean when I was pitching, I you know, slipped the middle finger up there real quick and then Yeah. What, is well. <laughs> <It wasn't
1: like laughs> what even is right. this show, man? What what's it's, going on? You, know, you brought Dallas shocked. on, guys. As soon as we brought Dallas on, it was <laughs> it all, was all downhill. From I there.
3: was say
0: I'm just shocked that on an episode where we had Dallas Braden on, we're talking about fingers up butts and Dallas is not a part of the conversation. That's, That's a, a great point. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> the last thing I have to say, I, I shouldn't even say it now because it actually has to do with baseball. Uh, but the last question I had, game three of this series, this was the big takeaway that isn't so positive. I already was, know what you're going to say. We won two out of three. Yeah, you know, it's Drew Smith, yep. Tyler. It's it's the choice wreck. I'm curious, you know, Buck's been phenomenal all year. And I'm, not, I'm really not trying to second guess him, <laughs> but bringing in a guy, off the IL, we saw the night before McGill came in off the IL. It's tough first game back. gave up a couple runs, but it was a big lead. Smith comes in. What was the situation? Bases loaded, one out. I mean, game, still a game loaded, two nothing games. Bases loaded, two out. Two outs, and it's like you know, it's still a game that you're in, a two nothing game. And then Smith comes in, and the Brewers blow it wide open. Was I the only one sitting there scratching my head, going? Really couldn't have waited till like Oakland to bring them back. Maybe if you got a seven to one lead, one of those games or something. Like, what do you think about that spot? Uh,
2: I'll be honest. It it feels to me like they've had a lot of scripts for these games that they, coaches, managers, they get together before the series, before each game. What are we going to do today? This situation comes up. This situation comes up. This is they get. You got guys coming off the IL you have to get them in there sooner than later. You don't want them to sit. That's the worst thing they can do. So to me, it was one of those situations where, okay, we're getting Drew in tonight. And it just so happened that that was the spot. Maybe that was the hitter. Maybe that was the, you know, he was coming in at it. Whatever it was, they had it kind of preset. And I don't know. I, it, it feels like sometimes they could obviously go off of that path. But I think the Mets are so in tune with, this is what we do, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it, pregame, that come game time, there's a little bit less of that feel, if you will, as far as going into these decisions. And I'm okay with that. I really am. I'm okay with that. Stuff like this is going to happen. Um, I'm actually a fan of Drew Smith. I know he does give up yeah. the long ball. and But just seeing this guy last year when he first started you know, throwing and, and I, his stuff, I just – I really liked watching him. I thought I think he's got good stuff. He actually reminds me of uh, Drew Storen before Storen like kind of lost everything and was awful. Um, he's got like a good little breaking ball, sneaky fastball, um, and unfortunately, just you know, sometimes it, it doesn't work out for him. He look he he was great early this season. Then he went through some rough patches. Um, you know, just so happens his first hitter back obviously didn't work out so well, but. Look, I think it's okay to start getting him just reacclimated to coming into spots, seeing what he can do. Maybe you don't do it next time. Maybe in the playoffs you don't use him in those spots. Who knows? But <laughs> you got to test it out now.
0: All right. Fair enough. I just I, I thought it was a weird spot just to bring him back. I, I'm like you. I love Drew Smith. By the way, that was that was the duty trade that we got Drew?
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. That was that worked out. That worked out. I mean, I love Lucas, but at that point in his career and that point in time, that worked yep. out. What's up to
1: yeah, no, I just want to share my quick, you know, viewpoint on this because I agree. I, I didn't like to see Drew there because you saw how the Mets set up Tyler McGill in this series when they already had a five nothing lead in a previous game, giving him that type of leash where even if he did give up a couple runs, it's not going to one hurt the game more than likely. And two, it's not gonna hurt his confidence as much. And that was the case. I mean, the Mets only gave up those two runs, and that's seven to two victory in game one. And then you see here, it's a completely different spot. I mean, I would have even said go with Peterson still against Purcell and the right hander. See if you can get him, you know, maybe with that back, uh, the back foot slider, just get something going there for the final out. I understand. I understood walking Adamus because he just kicked the Mets' ass that entire series. But especially in that matchup, righty on lefty, it's not like David can't get righties out. So uh, nice it, that that really felt like a head-scratcher for me. And then you bring in Drew. Yes, he was on an 0-2 count, but I mean, at this juncture in the season, those little hiccups, they mean everything right now. So, like, I agree. I love Buck, and I've loved a good portion of decisions he's made this year. I think if there's any hiccup or any criticism you can rightfully give him, it's been these rare moments with the bullpen that really is about it for me. But um, I just feel bad for Drew. Cause I mean, he just gets back in after being on the IL for an extended period of time, he gives up a grand salami. I mean, it's not necessarily the biggest confidence booster to come right back out there. So yeah, I, I would have liked him in a position where there was more of a comfortability uh, from the Mets standpoint, either in a blown out game where they're winning or losing versus a tight one like that, but it is what it is. We move on.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, you know, we're in the same boat there. I just, you know, I think Drew going down the line, I think he's going to be a part of this playoff roster. I hope this doesn't hurt his confidence too much. Guy's got ridiculous stuff. And uh, on to Oakland, on to Oakland. Before we wrap it up, I do want to remind everyone, head over to shop.believe.com. We've got new merch. We've got bad Fundy shirts for the Phillies. We've got them in Philly colors and Mets colors. We've got stanky shirts for the stankies who, by the way, (laughs) Are now losing four to three. They were up three nothing on the Sox. But there's one
1: schmuck in here that bet on the Sox.
0: I bet on the Sox, baby. I bet (laughs) on the Sox. I bet on the Guardians. The Guardians are up four to one right now in the seventh. Uh, What other action do I have? Oh, the Astros. They lost, right? Two nothing. Unbelievable. Uh, And then the Phillies leading one nothing in the eighth against the Braves. We've got to warm up Jansen shirt because there's no one we would rather see next weekend when the Mets play the Braves than Ken Lee seven blown <laughs> saves Jansen. It's, it's ridiculous. So go get your believe in Queens merch, whether it's the pro Mets merch, bring him Vogel back, get wrecked, which is a favorite among 17 year old kids as I've, as I've seen, uh, go get the Mets shirts and go get the shirts to make fun of our opponents. Bad fundies, warm up Jansen, stankies, all of it at shop.believe.com. That does it. Episode 23.